This morning, looking at Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 16, we will read this together, theoretically. There we go. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. Now, last Sunday's message uh, was built around this chapter in the book of Romans. And uh, we talked about this part about being willing to be associated with people of of, uh, low position. And, uh, you know, Jesus taught us that there's really not much credit if you love people who are easy to love. Everybody likes people who like them and you get along with them and they don't irritate you. And, and, and Jesus said, really, there's not really a whole lot of credit in that. And he, go, he goes on to say, you know, even the thieves love the thieves. I don't know what he was trying to say about us. But uh, thieves love the thieves and then the robbers love the robbers, he says. But where real credit kicks in is when you love people who are not very lovable, who are completely different from you, who do things that you wouldn't do, that just look at life from a different perspective. This is where love really gets demonstrated amongst those who are the least likely uh, to be like you or who are very unlovable or who some people are just flat out difficult to love. Now, the question is, well, what does that look like to do that? Are we really supposed to fraternize with people that are less than desirable? Uh, What if they are of questionable character? What if they don't do things quite right? What, what What if they do things that are illegal? Should we associate with those kinds of people? What if loving certain kinds of people makes us look bad to others? What do you do then? Well, last week, I, I spoke about the efforts that uh, we're going to be making uh, this year as we start reaching out to the Hispanic community uh, here in Green Bay. And uh, something I've talked about from the beginning, and we're kind of slowly getting uh, there now. But uh, as, as I shared that, most people are very excited about it, but there were people who had some concerns and questions. And I thought, you know, this morning I'm going to take the time to answer some of the concerns and questions that some people might have about this. The first question is, well, why the Hispanic community? Why not the Hmong community? Whatever different things. Uh, well, for two reasons. One is because of who I am. I'm a second generation Latino, and there's going to be an immediate identification with me, just as if I was like a, a Hmong, you know, descendant, you know, they would quickly identify. That's kind of a natural, normal thing. And even since uh, I've come here, we've attracted a lot more color and uh, uh, Hispanic people to the church, and that's great. And that's kind of a natural, normal thing. It's an easy uh, identification. So that's kind of a big thing, being the senior pastor. Also, just because of the sheer size of the group, the, the you know, it's a huge group of people that really has kind of just blossomed in the last several years. I mean, you know, when I was here uh, initially 10 years ago, it wasn't really that big of a group. Today, there's some 20,000 plus people uh, in this area, the city of Green Bay, uh, that of uh, Hispanic uh, descent, which is, is, is a big group of people. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to reach out to a group that a lot of people have not been reaching out to or who feel uncomfortable reaching out to others feel threatened by them and uh and uh all of that now some people said well are we going to start duplicating everything that we do then into spanish well not really let me kind of explain what i'm thinking about doing a lot of 
churches, in fact, the majority of churches as I travel around the country and, uh, and I'm with some 30 churches a year as I, as I speak around the country, most of them that have Hispanic ministries tend to make them separate. In other words, they'll have a separate Spanish church and a separate Spanish everything and Spanish pastors and, a, and they will meet in off times. For example, if we were to do that, we'd open the church like at 1.30 or 2 o'clock this afternoon when we're not here and then the Hispanics would come and they would have their own Spanish services and stuff like that. Now some of them like doing it that way and that's fine, but that's not what I want to do. To me, it's just religious segregation. Again, some of them like it, but I just, I don't want to do that. What I'm interested in doing is reaching out to them and integrating them into our congregation. And I think it's important for the Hispanic community to think in those terms. As if they're going to be here uh, and, and be part of the culture here, they need to do, you know, don't forget who they are or their culture. There's, nobody's asking you to do that any more than we've asked the Polish people to quit polking at the weddings. You know, uh, everybody hang on to your culture, which is fine, it's great, that's what makes us who we are. Uh, but integrate and become part of it you're never going to really uh, become part of the culture if you spend all your time listening to Spanish radio and watching Spanish television and hanging with Spanish people and keeping us a whole Spanish world you need to integrate with what we're, uh, the culture and we want to help them to do that so we will do whatever we can as far as uh, you know the basic bridge. We want to be a bridge, if you will. One of the things that we want to do is uh, uh, put uh, some translation equipment uh, into the service so that somebody can be translating into Spanish what I'm saying. But they can just wear a little earpiece and they can hear it in English and then hear it in Spanish right away. It's a good way actually to learn uh, as, they, as they hear the language and stuff like that. So we want to do that. Um, Someone talked about maybe doing some signs in Spanish. We'll see about that. It's really, my interest is less about making everything in Spanish as it is teaching them how to become part of the culture. One of the things that we want to do is start doing some English uh, language classes during the week. Um, we found out from the community that uh, the English language classes they have are overfilled. There's like 100 people right now on the waiting list. And I think we got this huge facility and, and all, the, all the capable people. Quite frankly, you don't even have to speak Spanish to be able to speak, teach English as a second language. Um, so we want to open that up and, 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 and let people come and meet that need and help them learn to speak English. Our goal, again, is not treating them separately. It's about making them become part of and bringing all the wonderful parts that they have from their culture. And our cultures can all make one big gigantic pot of something. I don't know. Booyah. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's what we're going to do. Now, another question people have is, well, what about all the, all the uh, benevolence requests we're going to do? How are we, how we going to handle that? Well, it's a great question, but it, it really shows a misunderstanding about the Hispanic community. These are not freeloaders. These are not a bunch of people sitting around on welfare. These are not homeless people. These are hard-working people. I expect no increase in benevolence requests. Our church really can't handle much anyway. Uh, we're not really kind of set up to do that. But uh, these are people, they got jobs. A lot of them have great jobs. A lot of them have really good paying jobs uh, working in the community and work a lot of overtime, a lot of hard hours. Uh, you say, well, I thought you said they don't have a whole lot of money. Well, well, they don't. A lot of them, what they'll do is they'll work as hard as they possibly can, live on as little as possible and send the rest back home. To their families. I mean, these are very serious, hardworking, family-oriented, family-valued people. And uh, so we're not talking about, you know, 
uh, you know, benevolence overrun on, on uh, some kind of a welfare system here. That's, that's not what we're talking about. It's, it really doesn't exist there. Um, and then, of course, the big question, the hot-button question is, what about those who are here illegally? And it is a hot-button question. I kind of want to take uh, some time this morning talking about that. Now, uh, as I spoke last week, we are a church uh, of diversity and we want to become even more diversified and Christianity is not about everybody thinking and being the same uh, I, initially I was using the analogy of a family and how we're all members of the family but that's kind of got such a girly feel to it I've, I was thinking this week what, what can we use for a different analogy and I thought well use what the Bible says the biggest analogy they use is a body we make up a body a body of Christ we are the body of Christ as believers and Paul says just like a body has many many different members many many different functions we all work together to make up the one body even though we're very different you know, some of us are toes some of us are fingers some of us are guts and hearts and eyeballs and all kinds and uh, while they're very different what my kneecaps do and what my eyeballs do are completely different and and life is very different from them Uh, but they all work together it's not about being the same a lot of churches it's all about being the same it's like having you know a a big ball with nothing but feet it's the church of the feet and then over there we got the church of the eyeballs and over there we got the church of the ears and the church of the you know whatever over there and then there's the gross guys the church of the intestines you know nobody likes those guys and uh you know, it's everybody about being the same. Well, it's it's weird. If you're all the same and you all think the same, you're weird. All right? I think a normal body has lots of different parts. And it's not about all thinking the same and all being the same. You know, you got all these wonderful parts of the body, you know, then, then there's the butt, you know, and the butt's just back there. Nobody really likes it, but they appreciate what they do. And, you know... <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and if you think about it, every part of your body is about going this direction. You know, the face, the eyes, everything's about going. Even the spine holds you up so you can go that way. Everybody except the butt's looking the other way all the time. And you know, some of you might be a butt, you know, you just see things different. And I was thinking, I thought, you know, really, that's, I'm kind of a butt, I think. That's where I fit in, you know, because I see everything differently than everybody else, you know. Everybody said, I never thought of it that way. Well, that's because I'm a butt, and I look at it the other way, you know. And I, who cares? We're all different. We need to celebrate the differences. It's a wonderful thing. So, what this different guy this morning is going to share with you is my perspective on this issue. And I get it, not everybody will agree. That's okay. That's okay, but it's important for you to understand where I'm coming from. Why? Because I'm the senior pastor and I have a big pull in in the direction that we go. I mean, I'm not Mussolini, you know, it's, it's not about that. We all work together, but, you know, so try to seek to understand more than to be understood. Okay, and I'm going to share with you my views on it. He said, well, well, are we going to have a chance to, to uh, give our side of our views? No, this is not the Fox News channel. All right? I, I, you know, this is not fair and balanced. This is blatantly unbalanced. <laughs> it's about what Marky thinks, you know. That's kind of what it is. All right? And again, you don't have to agree. But at least at the end of the day, you can say, you know, I, I see where he's coming from. I think he's an idiot, but I see where he's coming from. I can live with that. All right? So I'm going to share. Now, this whole thing about, about illegals. First, you need to understand, they're not all illegal. Nobody even knows how many of them are illegal here. Um, you know, but don't just assume as soon as you see Hispanic people coming in that these people are illegal. 
A lot of them are, 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 are legal, again, hardworking. A lot of the uh, jobs, meatpacking jobs and stuff around this country are all legal guys who come in, they work uh, and, and contribute a lot to the country. So don't just assume, number one, that, that they're uh, uh, illegal. Um, and, uh, and, and I know this is a hot-button issue for people. But you have to understand, it's, it's still not an issue that's settled. There are 14 million, maybe more, illegal aliens in America. That's a lot of people. Now, it's a mess. I get it. If the federal government was doing its job and spending less time trying to meddle in our lives and do its job, which is one of their main jobs, is to seal the borders, it wouldn't be quite the mess that it is. So number one, Washington, wake up, do your job, and it's not our job to be doing their job. And some of the city fathers lately passing ordinances that are trying to make us do the federal government's job in this, in, in this area is bad idea. You shouldn't be doing those kind of things. Mind your own, or never mind anyway. That's my thing. Just not, I don't think it's smart. I just don't think it's smart. It's not our job to be turning in each other. Employer's job isn't to be turning in people. Landowner's job isn't to be turning in people. What are we, East Germany back in the Soviet Union? That's what they used to do. It's not our job, so let them do their jobs, number one. Number two, it is what it is, and it's a big, stinking mess. But these are people's lives. And we need some mercy and some compassion, certainly in the church. Our view needs to be mercy and compassion. James, in our study, says mercy triumphs over judgment. And we need to be cutting people slack. And it's not about hammering people. Um, uh, and it's a mess. You know, I was talking to a, a young guy a couple of weeks ago about an issue in his life. Speaks perfect English. The reason he speaks perfect English is he's been here since he's two years old. But he's illegal. His father brought him across. Which I don't know what he was thinking. You know, it's dangerous enough for an adult, but much as to bring a two-year-old. Cuts in the car. He's been raised here his whole life. Where are you going to send him? To whom? He has nobody back there. He's an American for, for crying out loud. But he's illegal. And there's no way for him to make it right. Now, I personally believe that uh, this issue is not done. Um, it's, it's going to swing again. I know they just had a big fight about it uh, a few weeks ago. But I promise you, it's not done. And I just, you know. And for a guy, by the way, I, I tend to vote pretty Republican. And, and by the way, this church, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party. I don't This is... God is bigger than all that nonsense. Somebody say amen, okay? So you don't have to think like me. I tend to vote that way because it's just some of the issues I have. But, you know, Republicans, man, y'all sometimes do just the dumbest things that you do. Just, I, you know, seriously, folks, there's 40 million legal voting Hispanics, of which I'm one. All right? 40 million. They've been voting pretty Republican, Right? Now they pull this nonsense and now they're going to infuriate this shift. What do you think, if the next election is anywhere near as close as the last several have been, you better get comfortable saying, Madam President, are you hearing me? Wow, this is an important issue. Yeah, I tell you, there's a lot more other important issues. And I think we've got to come up with an answer for this. I don't know what the answer is, but just to say, you know, they're just illegal. We ought to send them all out of the country. What are we going to put them on trains and send them to internment camps and process them out what are we nazi germany come on people so i think we shouldn't have this i get it i get it i get it but there's two sides of this issue and i promise you if 
the vote goes strong the other direction, they will step in and they will give them a path to citizenship. This isn't over by a long shot. Whether you agree with me or not on it, the bottom line is this. In the church, we aren't going to get into this issue. For 2,000 years of history, the church has always been a place of safety and sanctuary for everybody and anybody. We're not going to be ratting people out if we find out they're illegal aliens or illegal anything else. You need to get comfortable with this stuff. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with illegal people. Prostitution was illegal in Israel. In fact, they'd stone you to death. Pretty illegal. And who does Jesus hang with? Prostitutes. Tax collectors. These guys were thieving rats. Everybody considered them traitors. They're all doing illegal things. Jesus hanging with all the illegals. Made the religious people really ticked off. They got really mad about it. Jesus didn't encourage them to keep doing what is illegal. What he was trying to do was teach them to do the right things. But you got to reach out. It's the sick that need a doctor, not the healthy people. About a year or so ago in Stevens Point, we had some new people coming to the church. Some ladies who were dressing a little on the edge, shall I say. And some of the other ladies in the church got all upset about it. They wrote a letter. Pastor, we can't have these women looking like prostitutes in the church. I got up the next Sunday. I said, man, if you're uncomfortable with people looking like prostitutes, what are you going to do when real prostitutes start coming in? So what are you going to do when I put a sign up on top of the church, neon sign, blinking on and off, going, prostitutes, welcome. Eh, 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 eh. Well, I don't like my husband looking at it. Well, if you see your husband looking at somebody, smack him. <laughs> Good grief. Just say, praise the Lord, honey. <laughs> what was amazing is while I'm preaching the sermon, there was a lady sitting in the church who had been involved in prostitution. Or the odds of that. Especially in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, in a small church. So one time I talk about it, here's this lady. She says, wow, I so appreciate you doing this. I said, well, what did you do? Did you rat her out? No, I didn't rat her out. I didn't call up the district attorney. Say, hey, there's a lady over here. It's in prostitution. We, we got her. <laughs> Come get her, quick. <laughs> Shouldn't we teach people to obey the law? Absolutely. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Besides, you're all guilty at some level. I'll bet you of bringing some laws somewhere. Amen. Some of you little sinners sped on the way to church. Should we grab you and turn you over to the authorities? There's all kinds of laws. Some laws that I think should be enforced that aren't. You know, fornicating is against the law in the state of Wisconsin. $10,000 fine, nine months in prison. Shall we take a hand, look at the hands involved this morning? Shall we turn you all over? Personally, I think it's a law they should enforce. I'd love to see... The parents of teenagers who get caught in a backseat of cars, drug in, and have to sign over $10,000 checks. You think parents would pay more attention to what their kids are doing? <laughs> Betcha they do. Betcha they have quite a change. But we don't enforce those laws. Adultery in the state of Wisconsin. On the books, you can get up to five years in prison. 
And I don't hate people that have made mistakes and stuff, but honestly, of all the laws that have... Talk about a cruel thing to do. I don't know if the people do stupid things. I get it. But man, it's don't be doing adultery. For crying out loud, it is the most cruel, emotionally traumatizing thing you can do to the other people involved. You got spouses involved. You got children involved. And we got these stupid no-fault no, no divorce laws where people can commit adultery then doesn't even come up as a, a factor. I think they should get rid of those stupid laws. Somebody gets caught committing adultery, they ought to get their butts kicked in the divorce process and walk away with jack squat. If not, get thrown in a hooskow. But we're not going to turn people in. Anybody up for a tax audit? One guy said to me, well, I don't care, you know, because he was disagreeing with me on this issue. I don't care, I'll pay my tax. No, you don't get it. They audit you and find out that you hadn't paid the taxes. It's, they're not just going to ask you for the taxes. They're going to hammer you for not paying them. And they're going to hit you with penalties and interest. They don't mess around. If you can't pay it, they will confiscate your bank accounts. You eventually don't pay it, they can throw you in jail. And that's if you don't even realize you haven't done it. You know, he without sin cast the first stone. Look, this, this, the church isn't going to be about hammering people who are not doing everything just exactly right and we're certainly not going to be involved uh, with a law. You know, you're someplace where you shouldn't be. Okay, it's against the law, but we're not going to turn you over and we're not going to do that to people. First of all, we're not going to be asking them their status. It's none of our business. We're just going to love people with the love of Christ. Now, out there, if you want to disagree with me and, and, and you have a strong opinion one way or the other, that's fine. You do not have to agree with me. You do not. Have I made this clear? You do not have to agree with me. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from on this. Just in the church, the church is about sanctuary. It's about compassion. It's about forgiveness. And it's about grace. It's not about hammering people who are doing or have done the wrong things. Personally, I appreciate that. Because we've all done things that are wrong. Okay? So, well, when are we going to start this whole thing? Um, well, we're going to be kind of ramping it up. Um, next week, I hope to introduce to you uh, Pastor Dan Carlson, who's going to be heading up this ministry. And, and, and I'll get him a ch- chance to uh, meet you next week. But uh, in a couple of weeks, we're doing a Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event here. And we're going to be we're targeting the Hispanic community. And we're going to be translating the thing in Spanish as I do it, live. In other words, I'll say my thing in English, he'll say it in Spanish, back and forth. It'll be a scream. If you want to come, you can come because you'll be able to understand me. And uh, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a fun time. But uh, we're working with the, uh, the Catholic Diocese in Green Bay is behind the event. And they're going to be bringing a lot of people over. We've got uh, people, some buses from Milwaukee are going to be bringing people up. From, to join in the event as well. Uh, we're bringing in some uh, Latino musicians from California. They're going to be singing. and In fact, they're, they're, they're going to stick around and, and, and uh, do some stuff for us on Sunday morning. It'll be kind of fun. So, uh, so this is our first outreach to them. And we're looking forward to, uh, to doing that. I believe it's August 4th that we're doing it. Again, the translation equipment we want to put in. Uh, uh, and we'd like to get this equipment right away. It's it's not a lot of money. It's probably three, four thousand dollars. It's just not in the budget, and we don't have lots of money just to, to do whatever. Uh, if you'd like to help us with that, I'm, I'll I'll give five hundred bucks myself toward the uh, the three grand that we need to do. And, and and even on this morning or the next week or two, if you'd like to write on the offering 
you know, special, you know, here's X amount of dollars that'll help for that translation equipment. Please write that on your, your thing and, and let's get the equipment so we can get this stuff in and uh, start providing the service to them. And part of next year's whole outreach program is going to be more about this. So we're, we're going to start, we're going to wrap up very slowly with this thing um, uh, bit by bit. But I just wanted to take the time to explain why we're doing and how we're going to handle some of these touchy issues. Again, I understand not everybody sees everything the way I see it. There was a shock. But, uh, uh, but this is why we're doing what we're doing. And I think love dictates that we reach out to those, particularly that a lot of people don't want to reach out to at all. And, uh, and I think that's okay. I think this church needs more diversity. It needs more color. It needs, I don't care how much money you've got. If you got lots of money or if you got no money. I don't care if you're black, green, purple, or orange. I don't care if, you know, uh, you're not perfect or if you're in trouble or, you know. Now, granted, if you're doing something really dangerous, I'll turn you in myself. All right, I mean, if you're a pedophile, I'll be the first one to get caught. If you're an axe murderer, I may pass that on to the authorities. But other stuff that's not life-threatening, no, it's not about it. You can come say, look, I blew it. I've done this. I should have done this. I've, you know, we're not turning people in. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. The ushers can get ready to serve communion. Our musicians can come back up. We need to be about covering sin. A lot of churches is about exposing sin. It's not about wanting to cover. They want to make examples of people. Yeah, that's a lot. All right, uncover this sin. Look at this sin. Turn the lights on. We're going to expose all this sin. Thinking they're doing something holy. That's just mean. Love covers a multitude. Not so they can thrive, but so that it can heal and repent. We need to be kind of people that we're covering for each other. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody stumbles. Everybody falls in one way or the other. Now, whether or not you've broken any laws of Wisconsin or Green Bay or the federal government, we've all broken God's laws. The Bible says everybody has sinned. There's nobody who's gotten off on this deal. We've all fallen short of God's glory. There's not one person sitting in here who hasn't messed up before God. You've got yourself a sin problem. It will separate you from God. So well, how do I fix it? Well, there's nothing you can do. Here's the bad news. So can't I just be better than, you know, if I work on real hard on being good, then someday God will see my good outweighs my bad? No, you can't do it. If you could have, Jesus would have not died on the cross. He would have just said, hey, do more good than bad. So can I do something extraordinary? Can I give a lot of money and help poor people? Well, that's a wonderful thing to do, but that won't erase your sin. Otherwise, Jesus would have come and said, hey, just don't worry about it. Just give more money and it'll be fine. He, He knew we were hopeless. There was nothing we could do. So God, out of his incredible, compassionate love, looked at all of us as lawbreakers and said, you know what? I love these people. We've got to find an answer. So he sends his son Jesus to die on a cross, a brutal death. He took what he did not deserve so you can get what you do not deserve, which is forgiveness. He is willing to wipe your slate clean and say, you know what? You're off the hook. Your debt's been paid. The fine's been paid. You don't need to go to eternal prison. 
you can have life because of what Jesus did. That's why we celebrate in communion. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. That's why we celebrate Jesus. He fixes for us what we cannot fix. He reaches out to us even in our worst state. Doesn't matter where you're at this morning. What sins you've committed. Even what you're currently involved in. Things that maybe be damaging and wrong in your life. If you will turn away from that stuff and turn to Him, He will give you life. He will forgive you. He will set things right for you. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus? If not, I want to invite you to become a part of the body of Christ. To be a part of building the kingdom of God in the earth. Of reaching out to others in love. I'm going to ask you to open your heart and surrender your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to challenge you to be real, to belong, and to become all that God wants you to become. Before we receive communion this morning, I'm going to ask us all to bow and say this word of prayer together. I'm going to invite everybody to repeat it. If you have never decided to follow Jesus, if you'll take that first step of faith this morning, open your heart. You can experience God's love and forgiveness today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus.